0: Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this Word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember... You are love. It is obvious today is the first Sunday of the month. And we've been doing this since the beginning of the year. Uh, The first Sunday of every month, we're spending time in going into our church codes or what you would call our church values. So we call them codes here. And today we're going to be jumping into our fourth code. um, And it's we set the stage, which is to serve God in excellence. And um, I believe it's going to bless you today. Um, That video can pump anyone up. It can make the, the rock speak. Amen. Um, um, I do want to go ahead and share something before we get into the Word. Uh, we didn't play a video this Sunday. We played a video last gathering uh, that we're here together on a Sunday. And we will show another video next week. But Watoto, Watoto Children's Choir, amen, they will be back with us next month already because we're in August. So September 30th, that Saturday, this whole church transforms And the Watoto Children's Choir, all the way from Uganda, they come up here and you should see the worship and the performance that these kids put on. So what I would love to do is I would love to pack up the house and support them and hear what their ministry is about. Don't miss it. Write it down already on your calendars. Start inviting friends. Start inviting family. Start inviting your neighbors. Do whatever you have to do. But September 30th, the Watoto Children Choir is going to be at Nest Church. And I am so pumped for it. They're such a blessing. And that is the reason why I am promoting it and pumping it up. Because we believe in that. We would never do something that we don't believe in. And you have to see it. And you have to hear it for yourself. You have to experience these kids in ministry for yourself. So you could really see what we're talking about. And then you're going to be like, oh, I get why, you, why you're saying all the things that you're saying about them. There's just one thing that we want to uh, go ahead and, and, and just like encourage to see if anyone feels led to do this. Last time they were here, I believe we had like eight homes. Eight of our families opened up their homes. Um, Nancy and I were one of those families where we opened up our homes And we had one of the counselors that traveled with them, which they're amazing. And two of the kids, they stayed at our house one night and we made them breakfast the next morning and they played outside with our kids. It was so much fun. Um, This year, it's a little bit different because it's not on a Friday that they need to stay in our homes, but they need to stay in homes on September 28th, on that Thursday night. If you feel led... To open up your home on September 28th to some of these uh, children and to uh, the counselors that come with them, uh, we 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 would ask that you would let us know asap because we need to plan with them accordingly. So what do you have to do? Um, you could easily just run up to me before you leave today, and I'll get you information. Betsy's here. Betsy, stand. Betsy's a new mom, and Arturo's here, and baby Celeste is here. Run to Betsy, and she will get your information as well, and uh, she could help you out with that. But run to one of us and say, hey, who do I have to see? Go to the Hype Center and say, who do I have to see about Watoto? But we would um, want to see if you could um, open up your home for uh, some of these kids. They're really a lot of fun. And if you remember last time they came, uh, I don't have to give that much information. You know it. Amen. So with that said, next week we'll, we'll go ahead and we'll share a, a video of total, so you can see a little bit about them. All right, join me one more time in prayer just to align our thoughts and, and just invite his word today. Lord, we thank you because this is just a beautiful time uh, today in your presence that we're having. We thank you, Lord, for our kids that are in the back and the teachers that are there teaching them and pouring into them. Thank you that we have the ability to do that. I feel like sometimes we forget to do this, but thank you because there's people out there that are serving, and they're not, they're not here out here with us today because you've moved them to serve our children, and I thank you for those that are serving today and pouring into our kids. I thank you, Lord, for the translation. I thank you for the AV. I thank you for worship. I thank you for everything that has to happen so that today could take place. And Lord, I thank you for your word. And I thank you that you could use a vessel like me. I pray, Lord, that if I could be anything today, that I would just be a vessel of honor, a vessel in which you could speak through and that you could minister to our hearts. I pray, Lord, if there's any distractions, that you would remove it that you would be able to speak, that the distraction or anything that's going on in our lives or anything that the enemy is attacking us with would not be able to come against what the Word of God wants to do in our midst. So Lord, we ask that your Word be lifted up and that your face would shine, that your presence, that your name, that your Word, that you, O Lord, would be glorified here today. In Jesus' name, and together we say, amen. We're in our fourth code. Our fourth code, I just told you, it's we set the stage to serve God in excellence. And um, I love this code. I love all our codes, obviously. If not, why why do we have them? There's biblical truth in every single one of our, our codes here at Nest. But I feel sometimes, and I've seen this in, our lives and people's lives in my own life where many times you you serve, you serve, you serve but we could easily lose the reverence, the understanding, the importance in why we serve and in who we serve. It happens a lot because we get used to the tradition and the rhythm of things that we lose heart in the person who is Jesus Christ which is the reason why we serve. You know, when we serve, we serve in two different ways. It makes a cross. It's vertical and horizontal. Whenever we serve, we serve the people of God and we also serve God. And I think that's a beautiful thing that we could do both in one shot. Today, God's people are being served, but today God is also being served. Amen? Amen. And, and I think it's, it's special. And if we're going to serve, in what manner should we serve? Well, our code says it best. There's only one way to serve if we serve, and that is in excellence. Not half-hearted, but in excellence. We should serve God in excellence with all of our being. William Shakespeare was quoted, and he, he said this. He said, life's but a walking shadow, a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. Shakespeare had a weird way at looking at life, wouldn't you say? When you see this quote, I don't know if we we have it up there, but when you see that quote and you hear it, it's interesting That Shakespeare would say what he said. A tale or lives told by an idiot, it signifies nothing. It's a it's it's a it's a way of looking at life that I would definitely not agree in. I don't agree with Shakespeare's philosophy of life because I believe, as scripture teaches, that our lives are significant and our lives mean something. It's something great, our lives. Can you imagine saying to someone, your life doesn't matter? What you're doing is you're putting down Jesus' death on the cross because his death on the cross was for that individual's life. I would say that life is significant to God. Amen? It's not a tale, as Shakespeare says, told by an idiot. It is a life that is written by a king's hand and we know that it's the king of kings that writes our story so i thought about this and you've heard us share this if you've ever heard our teaching of one of our codes but will your life be heard will your life be remembered i hope that my life will be heard and my life will be remembered not for my sake but only mentioned with the name of Jesus. If it is mentioned with the name of Jesus, then it's a job well done. We've done a job well done. The day that we are placed under and they're able to bury us with the name of Jesus stamped on us, then we've done a job well done. And I want us all to see this. It's an interesting way to introduce our code, but I think it's, it's good to... Remember how important life is and our lives are. I, w- I want to introduce you to someone. Um, have you guys ever heard of Andrew? And I'm speaking about Andrew and Jesus this time. You're probably like, oh, I know Andrew. And you're already thinking about someone locally. But have you ever heard of Andrew? What do you know about Andrew? Let's go ahead and talk about Andrew. Go ahead. First person that could tell me something about Andrew. Shoot. Tell me. Something. About Andrew. Thank you. Peter's brother is named Andrew. Peter's brother's name, Andrew. Anyone else? He always introduced people to Jesus. Andrew is known for introducing people to Jesus. That's my message today. Anyone else? Andrew. I, I, wanna, I wanna introduce Andrew to you, and, and, and we find him, and I wanna read from John chapter 1. In John chapter 1, we see Andrew is mentioned here. I'm going to read right now verses 40 through 42, and then in a moment I'll read verses 35 and on. But in John chapter 1 verse 40, it starts off and it says, One of the two heard John speak and followed him. It was Andrew, Simon's Peter's brother. And he first found his brother Simon. And he said to Simon, who is Peter, the disciple, he says, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. I want you guys, I want you guys to listen to this. I want you guys to catch this for a moment. In this chapter, in chapter one of the book of John, we see that Andrew is mentioned He runs into Jesus, and like our brother said, he says, Peter, you need to come. I found him. I found the Messiah. So who is this Andrew that John chapter 1 is introducing us to? Well, we see that he is the brother of Peter. Most likely, we we know that he is Peter's younger brother. Not only is he Peter's brother, but we know that he is the least known of the four disciples in the lead group. If you know what I'm talking about, there were some disciples that were a little bit closer to Jesus than the other ones were. And those disciples were Peter, James, and John, and also Andrew. Andrew was part of that group at times, of that lead group of disciples. Andrew was the first disciple. You can write all these notes down if you want. He's the first disciple that we see in Scripture to be called. Actually, I read verses 40 through 42. But if you read in verse 35, it says, The following day John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John, John the Baptist, looked at him and said, Look, there is the Lamb of God. Behold, the Lamb of God. And when John the Baptist, when his two disciples heard this, it says they followed Jesus And Jesus looked around and saw them following. And he asks them, What do you want? And they replied back to Jesus, Rabbi, where are you staying? What they're saying is, we just want to go where you're going. Where are you at? Where where are you staying at tonight? Because we're going, we're crashing the party. And Jesus says, Come, come and see. I love the invitation of Jesus. It's to come and see. Because if you come and see, you're going to come and see that he is good. And his invitation to the disciples was to come and see. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon and they went with him to a place where he was staying. And they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men. And he went to find his brother Simon. And that's when he said, Simon brother, you need to come. I, I found the Messiah That we've been waiting for. So he was one of the first disciples to be called. Come. He was. As he's one of these disciples from the lead group. I want you to know this as well. Though he is one of the disciples. He was not included in some some of uh, several important events. Where we see Peter. And we see James. And we see John. Together with Jesus. For example, in Matthew chapter 17, the transfiguration takes place there. And Jesus is on that mountain. If you've gone to Israel, right, we've we've seen that mountain, the Mount of Transfiguration, where Moses and Elijah show up to Jesus, but Peter, James, and John were there, but Andrew was not found. In Mark chapter 5, verse 37, we see that a dead girl is raised. Obviously, she's raised from the dead, this girl. And Andrew is not there with Jesus, Peter, James, and John. There's a a very important passage of the prayer in the garden. When Jesus is about to be betrayed and arrested and taken in. And he tells some of his disciples to stay awake and pray. In a very important moment for Jesus. And who was there with Jesus? Peter, James, and John. Andrew wasn't there. But however, there were other times where he was featured in this inner circle. There was 12 disciples, but there was times where he joined this inner circle of three, making it four. In Mark chapter 1, when Jesus leaves the synagogue, he leaves with James, right, John, Peter, and Andrew. And he, they, he goes to Peter and Andrew's house with those four guys. In, in Mark chapter 13... We see Jesus having a private, away from the other disciples, a private conversation with Andrew, Peter, James, and John. I'm just introducing Andrew to you, just so you could get a feel for him. Because we, we know about like Peter a lot. We speak about John the Beloved a lot. We speak about John the one who rested his head on Jesus' bosom. And, but we don't speak about Andrew a lot. He was so often the disciple that brought people and introduced them personally to the master. He was known for bringing people to Jesus. He was responsible for introducing his more dominant brother, Peter. Peter, come and see what I have found, the Messiah. Thank goodness that Andrew introduced Peter to the Messiah and didn't keep him to himself. In Mark chapter 1 verse 29, we see how Peter and Andrew, they share a house in Capernaum. And they operated a a, a fishing business in that area, right off the Sea of Galilee. And if you study the text and you study this area, just so you could know who Peter and Andrew were, I'm putting some context to their life. Peter and Andrew probably were lifelong friends and companions with these other set of fishermen, these other set of brothers that were also from Capernaum who are James and John, the sons of Zebedee. So Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they knew each other well. They were from the same neighborhood, from the same village. They probably ate together. They ran around together. They jumped on their father's fishing boats together. And they helped each other And they also competed with one another when it came to fishing. So they were very familiar with each other, those four disciples. The four of them shared not just this fishing enterprise in common, but they also shared spiritual interest before they met Jesus. Showing us that they were raised and they were from the same place. They took off time from their fishing business. And you start to see that these four brothers, sets of twos, they went to the wilderness. And they go to the wilderness where John the Baptist was preaching. And they become his disciples. So they were waiting for the Messiah. And they ran to John the Baptist and they followed his teachings. And that is where they first met Jesus. When Jesus showed up to the scene, John the Baptist looks at Jesus and says, Behold the Lamb of God. And Andrew says, I'm out of here. I've been waiting for this day. Not to leave you, but to walk with him. To walk with him. We know that about Andrew. We know that about Peter. We see that in James and John. But then they returned to fishing as they were fishermen. And they remained together as partners before Jesus eventually caused them to what we would call full-time ministry or full-time disciples. These four individuals that went back to fishing, especially Andrew as we're speaking about him, he goes back to his fishing trade and Jesus runs into him in the waters And that moment will change his life and his brother Peter's life and his buddy John's life and his buddy James' life forever because they're going to turn the world upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ. They went from fishing to raising dead people to performing miracles. I mean, what a life they entered into with Jesus. If you've walked with Jesus long enough, you have stories to tell into the places where Jesus has taken you and used you. Do you not? If you don't, let's set up a meeting because your walk with Jesus should be doing that. It should be taking you to places before people that you would have never imagined for a purpose. It's a thrill to serve Jesus. It's a thrill to know that our lives are significant because we hold a truth. We hold a weapon that we're, ever, we're able to share it to an individual. And that individual could come to a place where they could go from eternal hell and damnation immediately to eternal life with Jesus Christ. And it could happen as Jesus works through us. It's very humbling, isn't it? All four of them wanted to be leaders. And who am I speaking about? Peter, Andrew, James, and John. So Jesus brings them into discipleship as a rabbi. He grabs these four out of, obviously, eventually will become 12, young, young men, very young. And he says, follow me. I'm your rabbi now. I'm your teacher now. And for them to be called by a rabbi was an honor. It was something that every Jewish kid would wait for and hopefully long for. And they got it. And who better than the greatest rabbi to ever teach and walk on this land than Jesus Christ, the greatest rabbi. At the end, all four of these these sets of brothers, they filled important roles in the early church. In the New Testament, we know that Andrew's name, though he filled a very important role in the early church, we know that Andrew's name was only mentioned nine times. And most of them was just briefly. Nine times, just briefly. When you get to eternity, one of the columns, right, it has his name. The new Jerusalem has Andrew's name written on it. I, I think that this is important as we look. We look at John chapter 1. But I want to talk to you real quick about setting the stage and the reason why I introduced Andrew to you, sorry, is because of who he was and how he set the stage. I'm going to read nine verses to you. It's, it's a passage in the Bible that you're probably very familiar with. And especially if you've been here, you've heard us teach this. It's in John chapter 6. Listen to this. I'll read real quick from the New Living. And it says this. After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, And a huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. And Jesus climbed a hill and he sat down with his disciples around him. And it was time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Verse 5, Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. And he turns to Philip and he asks, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip. For he already knew what he was going to do. And Philip replies, he says, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. I mean, there are thousands of people in attendance. Then Andrew, everyone say Andrew. Andrew's there with the other 12. He hears the conversation happening with Jesus and Philip. Jesus is looking at Philip. Andrew is sitting there, and he's looking at Jesus. Have you ever been in a conversation? Ooh, what are you going to say? And Andrew's listening to Philip, and Philip's like, we don't have enough money. We can't come up with that. And, and Jesus has a smirk on his face. And Andrew is sitting there, and he's like, I, I know what to do. Look what Andrew says in the next verses. It says, Andrew, Peter's brother, spoke up. What did he do? He spoke up. Sometimes all we have to do is just, just do something. Well, I don't know. Just do it. Well, I don't know. If... I'm going to show you next week's preaching because I believe that the Lord has been ministering to me about harvest, and I'm going to teach a little bit about harvest and talk about that. But the other day, I don't want to. I'll share the story twice. I had a couple guys come over to the house, and we did an outreach in my neighborhood. We didn't pump it up. We just said, "Come over. Come at this time." We put up a tent. We played music. We gave out waters and. One of the Carloses came and brought clothes. And, and, I, and, I, and I looked at them and I said, hey, let's just do this. If no one comes, then we fail. But it's sometimes it's good to fail because you'll never know what's on the other side if, you're no, if you don't put yourself up for failure. I thought that no one was going to drive through and receive prayer. I thought that no one was going to drive by and, and receive a water bottle. But praise God, he's faithful. We had about seven or eight cards that came up. We were there for two hours and we were able to pray for people and pray for their families and give them water. Sometimes in life, you don't have to wait for someone. All you have to do is just do it. Just go for it. Trust that God's there. Trust that God's faithful. Trust that God's calling you. Trust that you are a child of God. Trust that he will not forsake you or leave you abandoned. So what does Andrew do? He's like, should I, get in- should I get involved in this conversation? I mean, he could have said this. Jesus didn't ask me. Because that's how we are. You know, it's about us. And we get upset because we didn't get called. They didn't ask us to serve. He didn't ask for my opinion. Andrew, if his heart wasn't right, could have missed an opportunity. Andrew, if his heart wasn't right, could have been mad at his leader mad at his Jesus, mad at his rabbi, and say, is Philip the only one here that you care about? Do you not care about me? Do Do I not have something to offer this group? Can I not serve you? I'm not saying that's me. I'm not saying that's any of you. I'm just saying that Andrew could have done that. You've ever been there? I know you haven't. You probably know someone that has. But Andrew, while he's there, doesn't get like that. Instead, he says, I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to do it. And what does he do? It says, he speaks up. He spoke up. And what does he say? So simple, but yet so powerful. Listen to this. Andrew, Peter's brother, spoke up. And this is what he says. (laughs) Talk about faith in the Lord. Talk about what a thing to speak up about. Are you ready for this? There's a young boy here with five loaves and two fish. There's a young boy here with five loaves and two fish. You, I, I like to look at the Bible like this. I'm thinking that when Andrew was saying it, he caught himself. I was like, oh my God, oh my God. Because look what he says next. But, but what is that? <laughs> what is that with this huge crowd? It's almost like Andrew had faith. He threw it out. But then he was like, Oh, but just in case, I mean, it's impossible. You've ever believed in the Lord, you threw it out, but then as you believed in him, you also like, yeah, but it's probably never going to happen. Oh, I guess I'm only preaching to myself today. (laughs) Forgive me. I'm the only one that throws things out and then says, yeah, but it's never going to happen. Hey guys, you want to come to, I thought it was a good idea. You want to come to my house at what time? At 11 and do what? And put up a tent and do what? And play music and do what? And hand out waters and then what? And the cars come and then what? And then we pray for them. And then as I was giving that idea out, while they got there, I'm, I'm not lying. I'm being very transparent. I, I, I was prepping them for failure. The very guys that I pastor, I was also saying, I mean, hey, you got to set yourself up for failure at some point. I could only imagine Jesus like, dude. Do you not trust that I'm going to do something? Again, I'm just speaking to myself because this is things that I go through. I have faith, I could do it, but then he's like, yeah, but it's not going to happen. It's not going to work. All the disciples in John chapter 6 are lost. All the disciples in John chapter 6 are confused. You know what they're lost and confused about? On how to find food for the multitude. And it was Andrew who took the young boy to Jesus. He takes the young boy to Jesus. He recognized that there was a boy walking with his lunch to his house, and he goes and catches that boy, and he says, hey, I want to introduce you to someone, because I think God could do something with what you got. Something in Andrew seemed to understand that Listen to this, church, please, because this, this is what we believe in. Something in Andrew seemed to understand. Please write this down. That no gift is insignificant in the hand of Jesus. You know why God wanted this word today? You know why you came to this code Sunday service? Because you're probably here, even if it's one of you. And you feel insignificant. And the Lord says, I'm so good. Let me put you in my hands and watch how significant you are. I I think it's all of us. What do you have to offer the Lord? What do you have to offer His kingdom? What do you have to offer others? What a lesson John chapter 6 is that so little could be used to accomplish so much. Amen? But it's all through the power of Jesus Christ. Do you know what Andrew did? Come on, church, I need you to follow me. You know what Andrew did? You know what Andrew did? Here it is. He didn't provide the five loaves two fish. That's what he did not do. You know what Andrew did not do? He didn't preach that day to thousands. I mean, his brother Peter likes to do that. He would preach on the day of Pentecost before thousands and baptize them all. That's not what he didn't. He did not do that. What else did he do not do? What else did he do not do? Whoa! I'm from Westchester. We speak like that in Westchester. <laughs> what else? I'll tell you what he did do, though, and it's what all of us should be doing. Andrew set the stage for a miracle. That's all he did. He set the stage. Not one time did he stand on the stage and say, because of me, 15,000 people ate today. He set the stage and he says, Lord, there's a little bit here. Scripture says there was 5,000. We've grown to believe that there was a whole lot more than 5,000. They ate from a young boy's five loaves and two fish. I don't even know if that would fill me up. Depending how big the fish is, right? Because Andrew set the stage and introduced the boy to his master. Peter would have never preached two thousands like I just mentioned to you on the day of Pentecost if Andrew did not first Set the stage by introducing him to Jesus. You see what Andrew does? He just sets the stage. He just introduces people to Jesus. Everything that Peter accomplished, everything that people in that crowd would accomplish, we could learn something here that the glory is not always in performing the miracle, but the glory is also found in the one who makes room for the miracle. Set the stage. We could talk about setting room for the miracle if you want. It's biblical. See, it's not about the individual, but about the purpose behind what and why the individual does what he does. Can I ask you a question? Are you serving the Lord at this very moment? Do you serve the Lord? Answer that in your heart. I speak with love to you today. Just answer that in your heart. Do you serve the Lord? Here's this question. What is the purpose behind why you serve him? What is the purpose behind what you do for him? Because it's never about any of us. It's always about God. It's always about his glory. And what is the purpose in what I do? What is the purpose in why I do it? It has to be for Christ and for his glory. So, what do I do? Regal, make room. Nest, make room, set the stage, not for our glory, but so that his would be seen and magnified. You can find some of your greatest joys if you make room, if you set the stage and you call on God to perform his goodness. I don't have to always be in control. I don't have to always have the answers. I don't have to always speak, give reasons, explanations. I don't have to always find a better way. All I could do is just be responsible in setting the stage, trust in Jesus and believe that he's able to do and perform his goodness and his glory. That's it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, 28, and 29, the Apostle Paul writes this beautiful, <laughs> thank God for this passage, because Jesus knew people like me would be stepping into the scene soon. And the Apostle Paul writes this, instead, God chooses things of this world, look <laughs> what he says, that the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think that they are wise, and he chooses things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful, And God chose the things that are despised by this world, things counted as nothing at all, and He uses them to bring to nothing what the world considers important, and as a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. How many of you could say, thank you, Lord, for this scripture, that you use the foolish to come against the wise, and you use the ones that the world sees and considers not important, it makes us important. In 2 Kings chapter 4, there's an important story that I would like to mention to you today. And it's the story of Elisha, the prophet, and his run-in with the Shunammite woman. I don't know if you've ever read this story, but I told you as Andrew, he set the stage. He made room for God to do a miracle. All we have to do at times is just do something. Soon, I, I'm going to hold off, and this is what I'm really bad at, for next Sunday to introduce something. I want to first mention it tomorrow in a meeting that I'm going to have, and then I want to mention it on Sunday, next Sunday. But things that I want to do, and um, especially because of what the Lord stirred in something that we did in my neighborhood just a couple weeks ago. But I want us to be a church that just makes room for God to do a miracle, So many times we try to fabricate, how can we create a miracle? And God's like, you can't. Just set the stage, make the room, and watch me do the miracle for you. And we'll talk about that in the weeks to come because I believe that we're in season. I believe that this is the perfect moment for us. I believe that this is the moment why Nest is alive. I believe, as the Lord has stirred in my heart, that there is a great harvest for the kingdom of heaven. And we're going to live it. Remember this. I'm glad that this stuff gets recorded. I believe that with all of my heart. So what do we do? Just make room and let God be God. In 2 Kings, we read a story, and it's found in chapter 4. It says, one day, Elisha, I'm just going to read fast, forgive me. It's a little bit different today, but just roll with me, because the story itself will preach to you. One day, Elisha went to the town, and a wealthy woman lived there, and she urged him to come to her home for a meal. And after that, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. And she said to her husband, watch this. She's just going to do something about it. That's all she's going to do. Just do something. I'm sure that this man who stops in from time to time, look what she says. I'm sure he's a holy man. He's a man of God. Represents God for them in the Old Testament. So let's build. What is she going to do? Let's build. Here's the woman telling the husband, God is visiting us through the prophet. And he's like, What do you want me to do, honey? And she's like, let's build. Well, what are you going to build? Well, look what it says. She says, let's build a small room for him on the roof and furnish it with a bed, with a table, a chair, a lamp. And then he will have a place to stay whenever he comes by. So one day, the man of God, Elisha, the prophet, he returns and he went up to the upper room to rest. And he said to his servant, Tell the woman that I want to speak to her. And when she appeared, he said, Tell her, we appreciate the kind concern you have shown us. What can we do for you? Can we put in a good word for you to the king or to the commander of the army? And she says, No, my family takes good care of me. And Elisha asked Gehazi later, What can we do for her? And Gehazi replied, She doesn't have a son, and her husband is an old man. Elisha the prophet, the representation of God here, Calls her back in and says, When the woman returned, Elisha said to her, as she stood in the doorway, Next year, at this time, you will be holding a son in your arms. (laughs) No, my Lord. I mean, come on. Come on, woman. You built a room for God to do a miracle, didn't you? And here's God now, through the prophet Elisha, he's going to speak to you and says, Thank you for building me a home. Now watch the miracle I'm going to do. You've been crying for a child. By this time next year, when I visit you again, you're going to be holding your son. No, my Lord. Oh, man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up. But sure enough, the woman soon became pregnant. And at that time, the following year, she had a son just as Elisha had said. The word of God is beautiful. It wasn't the words of mine, the words of yours. These are the words of God. You know what the woman did? She just made room. If I don't make room in my marriage, my marriage will be destroyed. So, you know what I got to do as a man of God? as someone who's faithful to the Lord, if I'm going to be faithful, I need to make room and let God do miracles in my marriage. What did God call me to? Whatever he called me to, I have to do it. And do what? Do a miracle? No. Just be faithful to make room for Jesus. Who am I to kick Jesus out In the place where he's called me to build for him. I know. That I'm not called to do miracles. In me. But I do know. That I am to serve God in excellence. And he is able to do miracles for me. Through me. For others. Because if I've seen it yesterday. Why can I see it again today? You know, when I prayed for that person that had cancer and then God just healed them from that cancer, you know what it does to your faith? It makes room to pray for someone else again that has cancer. Like you're crazy. I'm just making room. Why? Because that person's going to know it's not in my prayer. I'm just making room. I'm just building so that God could do the miracle. Husband? Yes, baby girl. Pookie? What is it? Let's build a room. Are you crazy? You know this is our sacred home. We shouldn't let strangers in. This is the place where our children are at. And you want us to build a room on the roof? Obviously, the roof... Was a living space different than our roofs today? For the man of God to come, just just do it for him. Thank God they did it for him, because you know what it did for them? It brought them the child that they were believing for. It brought them the child that they were hoping for. What am I trying to say to you? Just set the stage, make some room, serve God in excellence. Do it again and again. And again and again, not so that you could receive from it, but just because he is worthy of standing on the stage and doing miracles and doing wonders and doing showing goodness so that others could also come to fall at his feet and know his name. Do it. Take a step, build a room, take a step, speak out loud, do something. Make room, set the stage, put God where he belongs. God can make something out of nothing and that nothing will grow and becomes fruitful. And here it is as a child now in 2 Kings. Set the stage so he could take the platform because he's in the business into making something out of nothing. How many of you can give testimony today? If I were to give you a mic and say, come and testify how God has done something out of nothing. How many of you could say, I have one, I have one, I have one, I have one. Look at the hands go up. Because that's the business that God is in. He creates things that seem insignificant, things that seem like nothing, and He makes it into something beautiful. Something beautiful. And these seasons of nothing should never phase you anymore. Because we all hold on to the testimony of God's goodness, of when He made something in the past out of, out of nothing. And if I'm in a moment of nothing, I love that so I was very transparent up here. Thank you, Lord, because she feels like she's in a season of nothing. But as she feels like she's in a season of nothing, she remembers that there were also other seasons and God did something. And why can't he do something yet again today in Sofana's life? Amen? And in my life again and in our church again. It's a new thing. It's a beautiful thing because he is faithful and he is good. And he stands on the stage and he is glorified. And all I am All you are and we are to do is just serve him in excellence. I don't have time to get into it, but maybe you know the story. It's also found in the book of Kings, but the first book, first books of of Kings, chapter 18. You know who also built that day? Elijah, the prophet built. He built an altar. And so did the prophets of Baal. And he called upon God, and they called upon God, and their God didn't show up, but Elijah's God showed up. And you know what Elijah did? All he did was do something. We set the stage. If you look at Elijah's life in front of the prophets of Baal, he was not popular. Everyone was against him. You know who else built? Noah built. What did Noah build? Just build the ark, Noah. Lord, that's very dumb of me. Just build it, but it doesn't make sense build it, serve me in excellence, even when it's not popular, even when no one else in the world is doing it. Man, when you put on the television, you open up your phone, and you go to your family dinners, and you go to your workplaces, and though everyone is doing and following a whole other method of living, you keep building the ark. You keep serving. You keep serving God in excellence because one day what God has said will come. And you know what Noah did? Noah had to keep building an ark for over a hundred years, believing that what God said was going going to happen and one day you want to take a guess what happens it happens the Lord shows up it wasn't popular for Noah to build an ark why are you building the ark Noah why are you building this massive boat oh because it's going to rain they're like you're drunk dude it's never rained he's like but it's going to Elijah builds an altar this woman Shunai woman builds a room Noah builds an ark You know what Nehemiah does? He finds out that the city that he loves is burned down. The walls are burned down. And the king gives him the opportunity. He says, go. And Nehemiah begins to, here it is, build a wall. When even though we're outnumbered, even though we're ill-equipped, even though the enemy seems greater, even though he seems stronger and more able than us, though we don't see the outcome right away, Though we're left all alone, you've you've served the Lord long enough to feel alone? (laughs) You've served the Lord long enough to feel alone? Every conversation that I've had with a Christian, at some point in their life, they've said this to me, I have felt alone. Even when you feel alone, even when culture is influencing you not to do it, in all of these accounts, God's fire answers with fire in Elijah's altar. For Noah, he rains, and if the rain falls on the earth, causing a flood. For Nehemiah, God strengthens and answers and giving a force to build and destroy the attacks from the enemy. All my biblical accounts show that when we set the stage, when the stage is set, here it is. God is ready. So I end with this, because God is ready. If you're taking notes, write this down. God is ready. God is ready. I'm going to set the stage. I'm going to serve God in excellence. Though it doesn't make sense, I'm going to build an altar. Though it doesn't make sense, I'm going to build a boat. Though it doesn't make sense, I'm going to build a room. Though it doesn't make sense, I'm going to build a wall. Though it doesn't make sense, I'm going to serve God in excellence. I'm going to set the stage and He's going to stand on it and He's going to be glorified. I close off with a few scriptures that I want to share with you. Ephesians chapter 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. It's all him. And Paul writes that to the church of Ephesus, pointing to the one that it is, pointing to the source himself. It's God. I I love in Genesis chapter 1. We're going to pray now in a moment, but I love this. In Genesis chapter 1, have you ever read this? You've ever started in the beginning of the book? I know when you first come to the Lord, they say, Start with the book of John. Ten years later, some of us are still trying to get through John, still. Come on, get through John. You still have Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Then you got Acts, and you got Romans, and you got Corinthians. You got a lot of good letters there. But, anyways, in Genesis chapter 1, listen to these words In the beginning, God God created the heavens and the earth. You know what the earth was? Formless, empty. Darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God hovered over the surface of the waters. I thought about this, and I've mentioned this here before. The first verb, the first action word in the Bible, it's the word create. That's the first verb in the Bible, the first action word in the Bible. Create. You know what else is created? We are created. In the image of God, the creator. So we are creative. And as we are creative, we can be excellence with our differences. I love that when one person is good at one thing, the other person is not. But then that other person is good at the other thing. Every single one of us has something in us that the creator has placed. You have the ability to do something. You have the ability to serve. You have the ability to set the stage because God has given you a gift. You know what it is. You know what it is. You use it. You use it every once in a while. You're good at it. It's contagious. Other people, they try to copy you. Because that's how good you are in it. So what do you do with that thing that the creator created in his creation? You use it to serve him in excellence. If the world creates, listen to this, and serves their desires in excellence, because they do, You've ever seen one of these? um, And I'm sorry for for name dropping. I I hope I know my heart when I say this. Like, have you ever seen like a Beyonce concert? A Taylor Swift concert? I mean, I haven't. I just seen them like on social media. But have you seen what those people do? Have you seen the creativity that the world puts on? A good movie lately? Have you seen the creativity that was used to create that movie? If the world creates and serves their desires in excellence. Come on church, listen to this. This the world we're talking about. We should be even more excellent than the world. We serve the creator. We serve the inventor of creativity. And we should be more creative than the world as we reflect god's this why is all that so compelling but when they come to the church when they come to the beloved we should not be dull everything in us should be light that illuminates into the darkness i don't want to hang around those christians They're just dark like everyone else. They're just dull like everyone else. What? I want to throw my cloak and heal diseases and cast out demons and walk on water like Peter. I want the Lord to use me in crazy ways. The Lord is like, just serve me in excellence. Do it. Watch watch the things that I could do. I started thinking about this. And it's happened And it happens to me too. Sometimes we grow into what's called um, a toxic church mentality. You've ever heard of that phrase, toxic church mentality? It's it's an important phrase to learn. Toxic church mentality is this. Oh, I'm doing something for the Lord? Then I don't have to put too much time into it. That's toxic church mentality. No, you should put your best if it's for the Lord. I remember one time someone told me, I know why you do what you do. It broke my heart. You do what you do, and you're, and you're doing all this because, because this is your livelihood. This is what, what you live off of. the worst thing you could tell someone who is serving the lord because you're like what do you mean that's that's not the reason why maybe there's others that do it for that we don't just serve the lord because i'm gonna get something out of it i don't just serve the lord because i'm gonna receive something from it I serve the Lord because He's good and what He expects from me is my excellence in serving Him and whatever it takes. If I'm going to serve my children, I should serve them in excellence. If I'm going to serve my neighbors, I should serve them in excellence. Imagine if my neighbor says, can you serve a meal? I'm tired. I should serve God in giving them a meal. But I make it bland for them. I cheap them out. Toxic church mentality where we don't put much effort. Ah, oh, it doesn't have to be perfect. This is a real thing. It's called volunteering. I'm just a volunteer, so I don't really have to serve the Lord. What about Tuesdays and Thursdays? And What do you do Fridays? What do you do at work? Are you serving the Lord there? What do you do with your family? Do you serve the Lord there? It's deeper and it's bigger than all of this. We should do our best here. But how about when you get out of here? all throughout scripture God requires the best he requires our best listen to this because I'm done when we give offerings in our offerings scripture says we give our best it's the purest unblemished lamb in the Old Testament that is offered up if God is going to get rid of a lamb should he not get rid of the the runt but God says no if you're going to give me a lamb in the Old Testament give me the purest we have another hour because it's raining. <laughs> give me the purest unblemished lamb. He deserves the best. When he asks for oils, you know what oils they put on Jesus? The purest of oils. The most expensive of oils because he deserves it. When God gives his son, he doesn't give his runt. He doesn't give the one that "Eh, I created this one but really I have no need for him. He gave his best and the Father gives us Jesus. He served us with his best and we have to stand before him and are we going to say Lord I served you with my best. Thank you for giving me your not your blemished son. Thank you for giving me your perfect son. How many of you could say amen to that? God gives us his best. So you know what we do? We value God. We value this. And this is what we do. We give him our best. Last verse. And then we pray. Colossians 3. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are Serving. How many of you could say amen? amen? Set the stage, Nest. Serve God in excellence. Can you stand with me today? I want you, as you stand, to meditate in your heart. Lord, I thank you for your word, for it is true. I thank you, Lord God, because you're calling us And reminding us of our values, of our codes. Here at our nest, that are biblical truths. And today, we highlighted the importance of serving you well. The importance of serving with excellence. The importance of making room. The importance of setting the stage. So that you at the end could do a miracle. So that you at the end could perform your word so that you at the end could show off your goodness it's all for you I want to be like Andrew I want to be like the Shunite woman I want to be like Elisha I want to be like Noah I want to be like all these characters, all these brothers and sisters in the scripture that were faithful to just build, to make room, so that you could be glorified. I want to be part of that. So that you could do great wonders in the land today. If God is speaking to you right now as we're praying, just open up your heart to Him. And right there as you're in prayer, Say, Lord, that was for me. From this moment on, Lord, forgive me. I want to set the stage. From this moment on, Lord, I want to serve you in excellence. Not just here, but here and outside of here. I want to be faithful with everything, I want to serve you well. I want to be a testimony. I want you to be glorified. Lord, can you use me? Lord, help me, lead me. Holy Spirit, guide me. From this moment forward, teach me and show me the places to make room so that you could be glorified and do a great work. For your glory, for your honor, for your name. Here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, your servant hears. Let my hands be of work and be of use. Let this vessel in the house of the Lord be one of honor, not one of dishonor. Let this vessel in the house of God be one of value and one that you could use. Here we are, Lord. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name. And together we say, amen. Amen. Come on, can you give God some praise? worthy so there's a couple things, it's raining outside so be very safe and um, as you leave today and you enjoy this Sunday for many of us we're going to get back into the rhythm of things soon because some kids go back to school and if you're a teacher or you work in a school place you go back to work and Things start to get back to normal now in August and September. But I want us to think about this word today. And you leave here today. What is God calling you to be faithful in? What is God calling you to serve in excellence in? What can you do here that we don't have yet? What can you add to our family? Where can you be a strength where we are weak at still. Because we have many weaknesses and maybe there's someone here that has a strength that could fill a weakness. What can you do? Come and speak to us. Come and speak to us. And let's talk about that. And serve God in excellence as you walk out of here on Monday, on Tuesday, for the rest of the week. God bless you. The Lord is faithful to speak his word to us in the right time, ain't he? Remember these three words. If you're from the house, let someone that's a guest today know what they are. What is it? You are loved. Amen? You are loved. Enjoy the rest of this week.